Welcome to the Tour Coach here in 2023, another year of the stories, the conversations, the roundtable discussions that come from my travels on the PGA and the Corn Ferry Tours, along with my teaching down at Old Palm and Palm Beach Gardens, or here in my studio in Mobile, Alabama. These are the stories and the guests and the people that I run into that I bring to you to help you enjoy playing the game of golf, learning about the game of golf, or learning how to teach the game of golf. I hope you'll enjoy my travels, my conversations, and you enjoy being on this journey with me. But I also want to remind you that this journey and bringing it to you wouldn't be possible without a special thanks to our longtime sponsors. First and foremost, Strixon and Cleveland Golf, Vineyard Vines, Bushnell Golf, and Buick GMC. Without those, the tour coach and all these travels wouldn't be possible, wouldn't be possible to bring these conversations to you. I hope you'll enjoy sitting in with me on another version here of the tour coach. All right, so sitting in here with me on the tee here for the tour coach, been trying to line this up for a while. He has gone from a Twitter sensation to one of the biggest, uh, I mean, the busiest guys in the golf world doing a bunch of great stuff on Twitter and now with the Fire Pit Collective. Uh, he's he's more readily known as the Monday Q Info guy, but it's Ryan mm-hmm. French. Ryan, how you doing, bud? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and first of all, congrats on all the – I mean, it's had to have been a whirlwind how the stuff that you started doing just – well, first of all, why did you start doing the stuff you're doing? Yeah, uh, the 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 short story is uh, five years ago, I was in the restaurant business, never had a journalism background, whatever, played college golf, did some caddy trips, um, uh, um, you know, to on mini tours. That kind of yeah. gave me an insight into it. And then um, – my son had brain surgery a little over five years ago, and um, uh, and he's doing he's doing better now. And uh, I stayed home for what I thought would be a couple months. Um, my wife held our health insurance, and so um, I left my job. I was running a group of restaurants, and it was going to be temporary. And somehow, five years later, I'm here. Never intended this for be a thing. Never thought it would be a thing. It's just uh, it's. Uh, it's been a crazy, crazy ride. Isn't it wild how some of the best things in life um, and some of the things that happen are co- completely by mistake or not? You never intend them to turn into what what they are. You know? Exactly. Yeah. This is. Uh, I'm very appreciative of everything uh, that I have and uh, the things that have happened. It's just. It's been a crazy, crazy five years for sure. I want, I want to talk about why. So I, I told you before we started recording this, that, you know, like I started following you because, uh, I mean, I, you know, a big bulk, or I think the thing I'm maybe best at or enjoy the most is developing young players that are those type of people that are coming up and that are chasing that dream. Um, it's not always the most profitable teaching those guys, right? <laughs> but yeah. It's most rewarding watching the guys and, uh, uh, and being on that journey with them. And, you know, heck, there wasn't – I started following you because there really wasn't any way to keep up with – heck, where the heck even all the tournaments and the Monday qualifiers are. I mean, you know, it, it, it's not the easiest thing to find. And that's kind of how I started following you. And I was like, well, hell, I mean, this guy's like my source for info every Monday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as as you know, you know, uh, each PJ section runs uh, – the Monday qualifiers, you don't know where those sections are. Sometimes it's not as easy as, like, if it's in, you know, the middle of the of the country, 
uh, it's a weird PGA Tour section, and so yeah, they're they're hard to track down at times. So let's talk about what I really want to get into is, you know, I mean, I've seen some tweets about stuff like this. Uh, I don't know that people in general, you, you get this all the time where people say, oh, my guy, he's the best player in my club. If he just, if he had, a, if somebody helped him out or he was given a start, he could compete. I don't understand. I don't think many people really understand the depth of the talent that's in the world of golf. And even if you, if you went to a, PGA Tour Latin America or you went to uh, uh, All Pro Tour or any of those and you walked on the range versus the PGA Tour, how deep the talent is and how, how many really good players that are out there that really at any given moment, if given a chance or play good at the right time, could be a top 150 player in the world. Yeah. Tony, as you know, I mean, uh, it, I always say like the top 50 – you know, the top 25 players in the world are a, a little bit above, you know, uh, above these guys. But if if you replace the guys that are play very well on mini tours or play well at Monday qualifiers uh, with the top, you know, with a hundred, the hundredth best player or the 75th best player on the PGA Tour, you wouldn't notice a difference. Like you said, a lot of these guys, it's just they don't play well at the right times or uh they have you know had some bad breaks or the the biggest thing is they just don't have an opportunity you know uh pro golf you have basically one opportunity a year to make it work and that is at q school and if you don't play well at q school you you're back to chasing mondays and playing mini tours so um you know it's a, it's a tough gig but there's plenty of players who just haven't played well at q school and then had a successful career you know russell knox uh mm-hmm. Uh, JT Poston, all of those guys changed their life at a Monday. Um, and there's many more. Doc Redman, former U.S. Open or U.S. Amateur champion, you know, failed at Q School two years in a row. And I mean, he didn't even make it through Latin American Q School uh, one year. So, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of examples of of guys who just haven't played well at the right times and then found an opportunity. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, I always say the the best player at your club or 99.9% of clubs <laughs> in America have no chance uh, against guys who play Mondays regularly, let alone guys out on the Corn Ferry or the uh, or the PGA Tour. You know, it's it's just in your opinion, you followed it incredibly close. Do you think? Do you think that the talent pool is getting stronger every year? Uh, I mean, I do. I think that there's more and more. I mean, and it seems to me that these young guys, you know, I'm 51. Like, I, I don't know how old you are, but like when I played college, the small college, like there was, you know, the old thing was like it took a guy a while when he turned pro to be ready to play at that level. These young guys, to me, at all of these levels, given an opportunity, are ready to play on the big stage. It seems like the training wheels aren't needed anymore. And to me, it seems like the talent pool is getting better every year and it's getting harder to make it. And now with some of the stuff going on in the world of golf, it's almost like there's becoming less opportunities at times. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I think that obviously at the major college level, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the practice and the, and the things they do are geared towards turning professional. They have, uh, you know, amazing short game places, but even, at you know, uh, I have a friend who 
played on Latin America, played on Canadian tour, and now is a coach at the Division Three level. And you know, he he does he has that experience. You know, he has the pro the pro game experience. No, he doesn't have. You know, he might have one player in four or five years that will give it a run, but he is the one teaching these guys. And so I think it's so much. There's so much information out there. There's so many guys who have now gone into coaching um, that you know the the focus is. Uh, that that they can do it, and I mean, go to a corn fairy event, uh, corn fairy Monday. Um, now they play on relatively nondescript courses, but you know, there, there's so many players. There's 150 players at each site, so 300 total players, and 200 of them can shoot 63 on any given day, and most of them played at schools you've never heard of. Uh, and so the talent is just ridiculously deep. Uh, and, you know, I, I talked to a player yesterday who's like, I'm going to turn pro and work part-time. And I said, I understand that from a financial aspect, but you got to understand that that everybody that you're playing against is doing this full-time. And, right. uh, you know, it's already hard enough to, to make it. Uh, so if you, if you can't figure out a way to do it, uh, you know, almost full-time, you're, you're in big trouble. We had a, we, I actually had a message, you know, I, we get a lot of folks listen, they send messages and one of the reasons it was timely, I knew we were trying to coordinate it, but it was guy, young guy, and I think he's trying to play for a living. And he said, uh, you know, he, he was like, Hey, can you get somebody to talk about, you know, the journey from struggling person all the way up to the, to the tour. And, and I, and I thought it was a good conversation to have with you. And, I, and one of the things is from your observing periods, You've seen these guys, and you've seen the crazy success stories. You know, uh, uh, you know, you know, like you see one week a guy that was, you know, uh, two hundred and something, you know, on the money sure. with flash, finished the second. What is what is when when you watch these guys and you watch them going up the ladder? Is there any traits or anything in particular where you look at a player and you go, "Hey, I think this guy's." got something different and he's got it is there have you seen or noticed any is whether it's the way they work what they do have you noticed any like single trait where you're like you know what like if you were a talent scout and you were an agent you started monday q agency <laughs> you know wh- what would you look for is something that separates yeah i think it's different for a lot of players um but but the one thing that i that i think separates a lot of guys is the mental aspect. As, as you know, Tony, you know these guys. If they get through a Monday, one of the biggest hurdles is, and and there's no way to get over it. I, I use uh, Justin Lauer, who's now on the PGA Tour, but grinded on many tours forever. Um, uh, you know, said you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. So a lot of these guys that money, there's no way to block out that this is a one week. Uh, chance and there is no real next week you know uh, and so you have to block out that you have an opportunity of a lifetime in front of you um, mm-hmm. you know you, you, you gotta that's gonna change the, your life so the biggest thing is all of these guys have some sort of game now there might be some small part of their game that they need to work on and that varies from player to player yeah. uh, but I think the mental aspect is a huge huge part of this not getting overwhelmed by the moment um, not trying to put too much internal pressure on yourself that you you know that Q school is your whole life or this Monday that you got through is your whole you know this is your opportunity and there is no tomorrow. So I think that is a huge huge part of it is is guys that can say hey 
this is a great opportunity. I can take advantage of it and, and go from there. But as far as game, I think it varies uh, player to player. Uh, there's always small things that they can work on. But, again, I, I always say, and you know, is if I put the 50th best PGA Tour player next to a very good mini tour player on the range, uh, a untrained and, and to most trained eyes, the, the difference would be almost zero. Yeah, one of one of the guys I work with, Rick Lamb. I know you know Rick from covering Monday yep. four times last year. Played his way into Corn Ferry Finals, and and now has corn. You know, he's played his way into Corn Ferry. He's one of those where that I, you know I I was looking back on last year, and I just you know I went to several of the events that he was in, and um, you know I thought what you just said was was really spot on. He approached each week. I thought the difference is like he Mondayed in, but he felt like he obviously he's had a tour card before, but he felt like he belonged there and he expected to play well when he was in, and he mm-hmm. didn't think like it was his only week out there. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I think that's that's the biggest thing is just don't get overwhelmed by the moment. Mm-hmm. Now, what what do you think about you know pick your brain on this? The you know the you know when Live first started. You know, and obviously people were going crazy and stuff, nuts on either side. But I, I think the positive aspect of this is if they figure out some sort of way to coexist, that it's created more play and opportunities for more people. I mean, I think that's one thing that, like, you know, and I know you guys, I listened last year, I remember driving to the Keys when you did uh, that podcast with Andy Ogletree. And, uh, yep. uh, you know, I've taught Andy other than for a little stretch for a long time. And, uh, I thought I thought it was a great interview with him about that, but like I, I thought, you know, I think if people you take the politics out of it and you look at it, like I mean, people are just looking for an opportunity to go play somewhere and have a chance to earn their way. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I hope I think there's a discussion about long term. I hope that these tours don't go to you know the PGA Tour is talking about going to you know limited fields for these these elevated events. I hope that's not the case. But I'm sorry? I think that'd be a huge mistake. Yeah, I agree. Um, an elevated event, basically, or the only things that we really watch on and cover, right? Like, don't you think that's a huge mistake? Yeah, huge, huge mistake. You know, the WGCs didn't work. Um, so I, I hope they don't. But in the short term, it's definitely – created more playing opportunities. I mean, the Asian tour has always been kind of a fringe tour and now it's more established and, you know, uh, Americans, uh, Europeans are going over there to play more because the purses are bigger. They're playing on better courses. Um, and so you see guys, uh, that, you know, normally would, would be, have one opportunity to get through Q school, now have two or three. Um, you got European Q school. You have uh, you know Corn Ferry Q school here, and then you have Asian Q school. Now, obviously, that comes with a huge financial burden. But that aside, it at least gives players more opportunity to get through. Um, you know, this is this is what you know. Davis Love, the fourth Drew Love, uh, is is yeah. playing on the Asian tour, and his and his dad obviously you know feels pretty strongly about about live but but drew and andy and james piot and those guys i mean they just want a place to play um and so as as you know 
that's what all many tour players want is a place right. to play. So um, it's uh, it creates in the short term. I don't I don't I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that it still is long term also, but definitely short term. There's more playing opportunities. You know, and I think you you know you covered Drew Love. I know Drew from my brief time over at Frederica, and, and also from just all the guys I've talked from over there. And I mean, Drew's a wonderful young guy, and he had up and from playing at Alabama, I knew tons of talent. Like, I the people that bash him. It drives me crazy because there's not one young player out there looking for an opportunity that wouldn't take advantage of anything given to them if they had an opportunity to get a start. I think you know, exactly. you know, yeah. and, and I'm, you know, obviously his dad is a Hall of Famer and winning Ryder Cup captain and major winner and, and all of that aside, but his dad doesn't play for him. Does, you know, yeah. does and 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 I think in some respects. Um, and, and, and it'll be interesting as we watch the career of Charlie Woods blossom. I think I think in some respects his road is even tougher because he's had all of that, because there's more scrutiny and because there's more expectations. You talked about the mental side and expectations and all of that roll into that. I think in many ways, even though he's been given a bunch of, you know, he's been given some opportunities, the road to success is even more difficult for him, regardless of the opportunity. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree. If, if Drew Love's name was, you know, Tony Smith, then no one would care where he's playing. Right. So uh, he, like uh, every other mini-tour player, wants a place to play. And so uh, obviously his name affords him some opportunities that, uh, you know, others don't. But I don't begrudge him for that. Uh, you know, he wants a place to play. At times he's proven that he can play. And so, uh, you know, good for him. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's going, to, it's going to be wild. I, I think maybe the biggest winner out of all the live stuff is the Asian tour. Like yeah. you said, it was a fringe tour. And, I mean, now, like, you turn on you turn on TV or you turn on stuff like that, and you see, like, people actually noticing who's playing over there. Yeah, you know? 100%. And, um, and, and, and I, a buddy of mine, Wayne Flint, teaches in Birmingham. He teaches a bunch of – He's taught a bunch of young guys like folks we're talking about over the years. And I remember him having guys over there in Asia, and they go work their butt off, play decent, and not make hardly any money, and they're living in Asia for six months. Yep, yep. Could not uh, – yeah, could not agree more. Uh, you know, I think it – again, it opens up uh, some great opportunities. And, uh, again, you saw a ton of Ameri- – I mean, they had a – they had a – I think the live PGA Tour battle – uh, you know, it might be bigger that the Asian tour is, is making inroads here. You know, they had a Q school in Arizona and, yeah. um, uh, you know, I, I think they're trying to expand. And, and again, like uh, there would be plenty of players who never even thought about, um, you know, playing on the Asian tour. And now that it's a bit more established that that site had only 75 spots and it filled up, I think in two and a half minutes or something like that. So, you know, it's uh, it it's definitely another place to play right now. You know, it, what's interesting is so I had a young guy who uh, he had played at Illinois, went into you know was a good player, went went into went into stocks and and trading commodities out of school because he got into that wanted to do that. So he's in his thirties and now he's back turned pro and he's a super good player. He he was talking to me about. You know, first time I had somebody in a while say, I mean, do you think it 
would it be better to not try to start by going to PGA Tour Canada or Latin America? Wouldn't it might be better to just go over to Asia to play? Like, that didn't happen yep. two years ago. 100%. You know? Yeah. I mean, again, uh, as you know, it, uh, Canada and Latin America are are money pits. And, uh, you know, if, if you have money, it's fine because, you know, you have uh, a chance to skip some stages of Q school. Now those are getting harder, but that is, that's always been the case. But if, if you don't have money, I, I, I strongly suggest to players to not play those places, you know, uh, money is always the main reason that players stop playing. (laughs) And so they, you know, a players just feel this pressure to go there, uh, you know, go play Canada, go play Latin America, whether that comes from their sponsors. And I mean, financial sponsors, as you know, they don't have like actual sponsors, but you know, I, again, I, I was talking to a guy yesterday and, and I said, you know, go play where you can afford to play. If that's at home and, uh, a big money game or, you know, a smaller money game, play there until, you know, you're dominating there and then go play a one day event. And, uh, so these guys just feel pressure to, to play these things. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to, uh, it doesn't have to be like that. No, no, I, I agree. And, and, you know, so for years, one of the cool things to me about following you and, and the stuff that you highlight, and I think y'all are doing great with this, the grind, um, one of the players I teach, Emilio Gonzalez, has been part of that. And and uh, but you know, for years, you know, it's like I think that if you didn't get some status, there was this feeling that like there was no hope, and I should just go get a damn job, you know. But, yeah. But but like the stuff you're doing to me is giving folks like me a story to share to these young guys and say, look, look at so and so, man. Like if you start playing great golf you'll get rewarded, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you work hard, like, um, you know, one thing we always say is, like, great golf fixes a lot of your money problems, <laughs> you know? And, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, I think, and I think that's what's important. I think that more than ever, these stories showcase that if you have a dream and you hang in there and you start playing great golf, you can create some opportunities for you. Yep, 100%. Uh there, there is opportunities out there, and uh, and and a place to take advantage of them. So, so you know, we're about ten minutes or so left. I, so, give me two or three people, like great stories that you've come across. Some of your favorite stories that are names we should look for. You know, and some of the more ridiculous, funny things. You know, because some of the things you post are. I mean. I mean, if you didn't know golf and love golf, you'd think that the most ridiculous thing. World going on. It's some of these. It's some of these Monday sites and mini tours. Some of the pictures. It looks like some of the stuff looks like it's a video out of like a club pro guy thing. You, if you didn't know it was real, you wouldn't. You'd think it's staged. Give us some good stories. Give me a few good stories and some names that people maybe should really look for and say like, I hadn't heard of this guy, but I think down the road this guy could be something. Yeah, uh, uh, Brett White probably has one of the best stories. He just Monday qualified for. Uh, the waste management last week. He has corn fairy status, but pretty low, so he's he he won't get into a lot of corn fairy events. But um, you'll see him at a lot of Mondays. Five years ago, 
had a brain infection, couldn't walk or talk, had to learn, relearned how to do that. And, uh, he's back doing it. He's also super talented. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of guys, big Mike, uh, Mike Bosaki, um, yeah. a lot of guys know him from the Monday qualifier. He's back on the mini tours, but, but super, super talented. Um, you know, there's, there's so many good, there's so such good talent all over the place. I don't need that. Just a million. And, and as far as, uh, you know, crazy stories from mini tours, I mean, there's, there's too many to name terrible courses, uh, people cheating, uh, guys dressed up as cowboys. I mean, it's, uh, it goes on and on, as you know. What guys dressed up as cowboys? Yeah, there's a there's a guy that I call the cowboy qualifier, and he's very legitimate. Like this isn't done for stick or anything. He he goes to pre qualifiers, and he's in full cowboy garb, uh, and that includes a hat, a knife on his on his uh, belt, a belt buckle, a full uh, starched white shirt, button down. Um, and I had him on the podcast, and he's just uh, I mean he that's what he is. He's legit a uh, a um, you know, a cowboy that, that plays golf. So I call him a cowboy qualifier. Unfortunately, he's not very good, but uh, I wish he was because I'm telling you what, that the sponsors would line up for this guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, mean, you could, uh, we could get him a Western wear deal. Oh, yeah. Right now. Yeah. If he could, if he could play, I mean, he would be the, his starched white shirt would be, look like a NASCAR fire suit, you know? Mhm. Mhm. Last part I want to ask you about is so you caddied for Mark Baldwin several times last year. I, I don't know, but uh, you know, in, in his opportunities and and some of the things that he got to do, um, you obviously caddied before, uh, you know, on some mini tours and and corn ferry type stuff. How different was it being inside the ropes, and how different was it being inside the ropes for somebody that you covered and you're pulling so damn hard for? Well, tell us a little about that experience. Yeah, it uh it's crazy. I I said on the first tee, so we got an exemption. Mark got an exemption to the AT&T Pebble Breach program. So it was the it was the second PGA Tour. It was Mark's fifth uh career PGA Tour event um and my second, but I'm not sure who was more nervous on the first tee, Mark or me. It's probably me. Um we were playing with Peter Jacobson in his last PGA Tour event. Fluff Cowan was on the bag. Steve Young, the Hall of Fame quarterback, was our partner. Ben Rector, Grammy Award-winning musician, was uh, was Peter's partner. Huey Lewis was following us because he's friends with Peter Jacobson. I mean, it is it was as nervous as we could get, as I could get. Uh, Mark made the cut and played well. Uh, didn't play mm-hmm. well on Sunday, but to be inside the ropes, it just I always say to people, whether that's on a mini tour or on the PGA tour, obviously a much bigger stage on the PGA tour, but appreciation for how good players are when you're inside the ropes uh, and the pressure they're under and those kind of things. It's just, it, it's the coolest experience of my life. Um, mad respect to the caddies that do it week in and week out. It's hard on your body and those kind of things. But um, yeah, it was an unreal experience that I, I will never be able to duplicate. I don't think uh, it's just awesome. It really is. You know, when you're talking about caddies, I look at some of the caddies I've known and close to, like one of my good friends, caddy for Lucas Glover forever, Coop, Donald Cooper. Like, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, how the heck? He's 60 years old. Like, 
or how the heck have you carried that bag that damn long? Oh man, still moving around. Man, yeah, it is. Uh, again, I I love the caddy, uh, but I also love it because I know I don't have to do it the next week. You know, right? Uh, I do it part time, so it's it's perfect. Uh, it is just a uh, it's. I mean, again, mad respect. Fifty pound bags, hills, and it is. Uh, it's it's not an easy life by any means. No, the last time I caddied, I caddied for Tom Lovelady at Corn Ferry Finals at Atlantic Beach. It had to be like a hundred degrees, and I had a <laughs> I, I had a mini heart attack that night. I felt crappy all week. It was awful. Came home Monday, and the doctor said, you know, if Tom might have made the cut, you might not have made it. Felt terrible. And uh, I kept thinking it was just because I drank too much beer at night and wasn't in good shape. But I was like, I, I remember telling me, like, man, like when it when that heats up there, like it's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. yeah, it's it really was. And the uh, uh, you know the, some of the the Monterey Peninsula course out at Pebble yeah. is is not easy to walk. Just a lot of hills, yeah. and yeah, they get the hills get steeper as the week goes on, as you know. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a tough one is that uh, is the last hole in Boise coming up that hill. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I did that with Robbie Shelton one time. I was like, and I was as yeah at altitude after that. Oh my god! <laughs> but, uh, I mean, so needless to say, I haven't had a guy make a cut since I caddied for Smiley in Japan. That was my last cut made. I mean, I caddied for Lucas once in Houston, and that was supposed to be a slam dunk, easy cut made. So I'm a jinx. Nobody will let me be on yeah, bagging. Yeah, I understand. I, it happens. I'm, I'm retired. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm an average. I'm, I'm the opposite. I retired because I'm three for three, and so you know, I can always say that I made every single cut on the PGA Tour. So I might it's just shut for, it down. It's time for you to go out in style now. Yeah, exactly. Go out and go. Out and go. Um, hey, I, first of all, thanks for making time for me. I know you guys have tons of going on. And uh, second, congratulations on all the success. It's, it's really cool to watch. I mean, for somebody like I'm a I'm a golf teacher, but first I'm a golf fan. And uh, and and lastly, just y'all keep up all the good work there with you and the Fire Pit Collective. I know Alan uh, Shipnook's been a good friend and supporter of mine over the years, and uh, and written some nice stuff. So I, I love everything you guys are doing and keep up all the great work, but let everybody know where to find you more about you. If they don't, if they don't already know. Yeah. On Twitter, uh, Monday Q info. And yeah, uh, most of my articles, uh, are, are, you know, linked there, but, uh, fire pit collective, Matt Janella and Alan Shipnick, uh, started a, a media company. And so, yeah, uh, we have a new, uh, web series called the grind kind of gives a behind-the-scenes uh, view of what life looks like for a lot of these uh, guys and girls chasing it. And um, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the time. Absolutely, buddy. Look forward to Hopefully I'll run into you at a Monday this year. I hope you enjoyed this edition of The Tour Coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Tour Coach. In between now and next week, make sure you follow us on our social channels. You can always find me at the Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and the Dew Sweepers on YouTube. Until then, make sure you follow and check out everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf.